AOA is brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. We're ready to kick off a new week, wrap up the month of November. Lots going on. It's going to be a busy month of December in Congress. We'll be talking about that on the program today. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley will be joining us a little bit later on with the Washington update. We're going to talk weather with DTM meteorologist John Baranek as we look to the new months coming up. And we're going to talk biofuels with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. A lot of frustration in the biofuels industry over the way the Biden administration is handling a number of issues such as RVO uh, levels, things like that. So all that coming up on today's program. But let's start it off with Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We've been talking about this. Uh, Congress has kicked a lot of things down the road. Well, they're getting to the point they're going to have to address them here in the month of December, aren't they? They certainly are, Mike, and thank you. We did have a great Thanksgiving, and now it's a good thing we had a couple of days off because we're looking for a sprint through December with so many things on the congressional schedule, and I'm sure our team will be busy trying to stay up to speed on, on all these different issues that are coming up. As, as you referenced, one of the first things is even this Friday where we've got a stopgap funding bill that uh, will need to either be another continuing resolution or we're going to face a, a government shutdown. So that's the first urgent uh, issue that needs to be addressed when Congress is back this week. And then, of course, after that, they've got less than two weeks to address the debt ceiling limit. Uh, and then, of course, they're all talking about this $2 trillion in infrastructure, the softer infrastructure bill that cleared the House before Thanksgiving and now goes to the Senate. Well, it's likely to be turned back even more because of objections from Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. So a lot on the plate, and those are just some of the highlights. There's a lot of other yeah. things going on in appropriations in addition to that. And part of the challenge with this Build Back Better plan is it's a it's a 10-year spending plan, so they have to be able to show they can get that spent in 10 years. And some of the things that are in there, it, it looks pretty questionable whether they can do that or not. That's correct. You know, the Congressional Budget Office makes these uh, findings and determinations uh, under budget reconciliation rules of spending authorized by that Build Back Better must take place within a 10-year window. And they determined that this tw- about $27 billion in new conservation funding only $23.5 billion would be allocated before the end of fiscal 2031. So that means that, you know, there's going to be this uh, expectation of money that we're, we're going to be talking about $27 billion, but they're saying, nope, it's not all going to get out the door, so it's not really that amount. Um, you know, some of these are questionable, I guess. They always are when they come out of CDO, but they've also looked at, like, the research funding, um, they're saying only 1.85 billion of the two billion will be sent by that in that time window. So, all these rules matter as we're trying to look at how the package might be rolled out. And again, we really expect it to be trimmed back more. Uh, Senator Manchin has expressed reservations, and he's still got strong approval in his home state of West Virginia to stand against this package in its current form. He's still got a 61% approval rating in his home state that's, as you know, been a very red state in terms of voting for Trump in the last election. So he stands on pretty firm ground. And, you know, President Biden right now is looking at a 43% approval rate. So he knows his state, and and, uh, I don't think we're going to see him backing down. So get ready for a lot of political theater and drama and and posturing here over the next few weeks as both sides try to make their case. Um, meanwhile, and I mentioned earlier that I'll be talking with Brian Jennings with the American Coalition for Ethanol. The biofuels industry has been frustrated by both political parties over the years, but feel 
strongly again that they've been misled and uh, they were promised things on the on the campaign by another candidate in this case joe biden and he gets into office and doesn't follow through on on what he pledged and uh, they they are really frustrated they are um spencer chase on our team did a great job kind of summarizing that in the article that we had last week's newsletter just talking about how you know all these different promises as you said uh, have not been fulfilled, and and now you know we're, it looks like we're going to blow past the blending targets again, um, the the mandates for Tuesday. But uh, it, you know it, they haven't yet released their proposal. So and, and there's also a bunch of these small refinery exemptions from the RFS that are sitting on the agency's desk awaiting action. About 65 of those. So. Uh, you know, you can see why the folks like Brian Jennings and Emily Score and Jeff Cooper, who represent the major biofuels groups on the ethanol side, are all very, very frustrated because mm-hmm. they would like to see some certainty. Meanwhile, an interesting topic, uh, cover crops. Um, when I talk to farmers, some feel very strongly for them. Some feel strongly against them. A lot of others just, uh, you know, haven't made up their mind one way or another. You're going to do a, a an in-depth series on cover crops, aren't you? Yes, we are. So starting this afternoon, people can find this. It's a uh, a free series of articles. The first part launches this afternoon. And and we found the same thing, uh, Mike. And it's really timely right now to have this special section on this because, as we've discussed, in this Build Back Better plan, there is an incentive for cover crops of up to $25 an acre, up to 1,000 acres per producer which you know could be very, very good for folks that are thinking about doing this, but it doesn't work in all parts of the country. And so what we want to explore is the potential for cover crops to sequester carbon, to do good things for soil health, and perhaps increase fertility, address weed pressures. There's a lot of good things that can happen, but also if you have incentives, sometimes there's unintended consequences. Like, for example, what does it mean for wheat growers who technically are a cover crop, but if if it's winter wheat and they harvest it the next year, um, they're not going to be eligible for these sorts of payments. So at the same time, the technology is advancing. You've got products like Covercrest coming on the market for the biofuels industry. There's a lot of different factors that need to be considered as we look at policy around the whole cover crop area. And so we're hoping to inform not only growers, but policymakers and legislative staff members about what they need to know before they consider some very important long-term decisions about incentivizing cover crops. Yeah, we'll look forward to that series. A lot of good information that uh, farmers need to look at in uh, making those decisions. Sarah, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you, Mike. Have a great week. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk weather with DTN meteorologist John Baranek. Also want to look ahead to next week. The DTN Ag Summit is coming up. It'll be Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday in Chicago. I'll be broadcasting next Monday and Tuesday from the DTN Ag Summit. We'll tell you more about that event and how you can win free registration to it as well. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, 
you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92 and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with ETM meteorologist John Baranek. John, thanks for joining us as we wrap up November and head into December this week. As you've been telling us, uh, we're kind of riding this roller coaster on weather, aren't we? Yeah, a little bit, but we're a little bit more on a stable kind of pattern here for this week. Uh, We've got a nice ridge developing across the west. There's a trough in the east, and those really aren't going to move here over the next, uh, you know, seven days or so. Um, right in between there is, is actually right across the Corn Belt, and we're going to see systems kind of moving through uh, every couple of days here. It's going to be active. Uh, we're having systems move through, but it's not really going to change the pattern at all. So temperatures really aren't going to change a whole lot, um, especially if you're out in the plains where we're going to see 60s and 70s. Talking about that this time of year is kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, out here in the eastern Corn Belt, we'll see a little bit of, of variability in that. But for the most part, we're, we're going to be doing pretty good with temperatures as well. Not a whole lot of precipitation coming with all these systems either. A lot of light stuff moving through. Um, if you're up in the Great Lakes, Wisconsin, Michigan area, I think you're, you'll see better chances for accumulating snow and we'll have a chance, better chances for precipitation overall. But really not a whole lot of precipitation, just, uh, just some winds and uh, occasional occasional uh, slight changes in temperature. So that's for this week. What do you see for the month of December? Yeah, so for the the first half of of December here, we're going to kind of follow the similar pattern. Uh, We'll be a little bit more up and down uh, the first half of December, but I think for the most part, most of the country is going to be kind of above normal here, unless you're right along the uh, U.S.-Canada border. Um, but for the most part, I think we're in the, the front half is going to be nice and mild. We'll see a couple of systems move through. There might be a couple of snowmakers in there, too. We'll have to watch that. Um, but uh, for the most part, we're going to stay on the active pattern above normal. And then the second half of December is where 
we're kind of looking at for some better shots of cold air coming down through through more of the country, maybe seeing systems kind of move across kind of the Ohio River instead of up towards the Great Lakes, and we'll have better chances of, of seeing some more accumulating snow and some colder temperatures at the, that, the end of the month. Sometimes forget that winter really doesn't officially arrive till what, the 21st of December? 21st or 22nd is is the actual day if you're if you're talking astronomically when you reach when you reach the the winter solstice. Uh, us meteorologists were we we like to be a little bit a uh, little bit more consistent and we're a little bit lazy and we just call it December December 1st uh, the start of winter. So we're we're almost there. All right, uh, let's look at uh, South America and what's going on there weather-wise. So last week we saw a good system kind of late in the week and through the weekend that produced some decent rainfall here across Argentina and southern Brazil. That's uh, moving its way out of that area now, and we're, we're getting some drier conditions here for much of this week over those areas. These are the ones that we're going to be more concerned about because of uh, the La Nina conditions going on. Um, central Brazil is in their wet period, and they get daily showers pretty much no matter what. So uh, conditions there are great. But once you, once you get kind of further south, the southern tip of, of Brazil and then down through Argentina is where uh, La Nina has a bigger effect. And the system's going to kind of move into southern Brazil here late in this week. Uh, with some decent showers there across southern Argentina. But as it moves further north through, through Argentina into southern Brazil, it still leaves a lot of its steam. So uh, the drier week uh, is going to continue probably into next week as well. We don't have a whole lot of systems on, on the docket uh, after this one moves through to provide them some, some good rainfall. So we're getting into a good drier stretch for Argentina and southern Brazil. We'll have to see how much the uh, soil moisture that's built up over the course of November can last them before they start to have some significant stress, but I can't imagine it's going to last too long. Yeah, we'll keep a close watch on that. Talk to you with DTM meteorologist John Baranek. And finally, John, uh, as you told us, kind of a somewhat of a mild overall December for us. Does that uh, give way, do you think, looking into January and February? Does that, are we still looking at some harsh winter conditions, or do you do you see it being a mild winter? Well, La Nina does uh, a couple of interesting things. One, it uh, tends to have some big swings in temperatures. Um, we get patterns locked into place, but we have the, that pattern kind of shift around. So kind of hard to talk about it without showing you a picture. But generally speaking, what we'll see is, is a good, nice uh, stretch of, of warm, dry uh, conditions for, for an extended period of time. And then we'll get that flipped in reverse, and we'll get the harsher side of it, colder temperatures, uh, snowier, uh, that sort of thing. That sets up especially across the eastern Corn Belt where we get the, uh, the extra precipitation, not so much in the, the western Corn Belt where they see the more drastic temperature uh, uh, rises and falls. But uh, really what we're looking at for, for the whole winter season, if you kind of take it into a whole uh, we're looking at below normal temperatures up uh, across the Dakotas, Minnesota. It's kind of normalish temperatures here from uh, Illinois eastward, or maybe even um, above normal temperatures, but increased precipitation. Now, if you look kind of month to month, that's going to vary a little bit. So we might have uh, December now uh, with the with the next couple weeks here being above normal. That, that's going to cancel out any cold risks we had at the end of the month. So we're kind of be right around normal. Uh, January looks like it'll probably be in an above normal month with uh, probably below normal precipitation. And then February is that one that we always look at uh, where we may get some bigger disruptions in the, the polar vortex and have one of those big cold blobs of Arctic air move down for an extended period of time. Last winter in February, we saw that happen. Everybody recalls when Texas froze over and everything was 20 to 30 below zero here up in the Midwest. And um, pretty cold for about a week, maybe two, if I remember correctly. Um, and it's likely we're going to see that pattern take shape again this winter, late in the winter, like February time frame. I would expect a nice big cold shot in February. We've kind of been looking at, uh, in our forecast, looking at years that are similar to the one we're currently in. And Basically, everyone that we picked out that looks, yeah, that looks similar to how things have gone so far. It's had a nice big cold shot in February, so I would expect that to occur again. 
So we'll brace for that in February. So keep that in mind. Meanwhile, I want to mention again that next week is the DTN Ag Summit. It'll be held at the Fairmont Chicago Millennium Park Hotel. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of next week. I'll be broadcasting for the DTN Ag Summit Monday and Tuesday of next week. And John, always a good lineup of speakers at that event. It is. I'm really excited about it. This, is, this will be my first year actually speaking there. Uh, I was back there in, in 2019, just more of a guest kind of hanging around as I kind of uh, kind of took over for Bryce Anderson. And uh, last year, of course, everything was virtual. So this year will be my first time speaking there. It'll be, it'll be a great event, always uh, just a, a, a great mix of things to learn about, uh, different speakers coming through. Um, you know, we've got Chad Greenway from the Minnesota Vikings who does, uh, who used to play for the Minnesota Vikings that'll be talking about how he grew up on a farm in South Dakota and, and uh, his business is now dealing with agriculture and everything. Um, you know, my, my weather talk and Todd Holtman's market talk, uh, kind of closing things out, bringing everything to a head there. It's always a fun event. Uh, and it'll be great to see people again there. Yeah, it'll be great to have it in person again. I look forward to seeing you in person and uh, talking with you next week there. And for those that uh, would like to have a chance to have free registration to the DTN Ag Summit, go to our website, American Ag Network, click on Adams on Agriculture, and you can see a place there where you can click on and send in your information. And we'll have a drawing here this week and uh, announce a couple of winners for free registration to the DTN Ag Summit. Again, it's uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday at the Fairmont Chicago Millennium Park. And uh, I'll be broadcasting next Monday and Tuesday from the event. So that'll be a chance for you to interact with folks face-to-face -to -face too. Uh, John, they'll be asking you these questions about what's coming up weather-wise. <laughs> that sounds good. I always like the in-person interview rather than the phone. It'll be good to see your face again. Yeah, good to see you again. And there'll be a lot of questions about South America, I'm sure, because we're watching uh, that their growing season will be very interesting to see. Are they going to turn off dry after what's been a pretty good start you've been telling us? That's right. That's the big question there. It looks like we're starting to see some forms of that across Argentina and southern Brazil. Well, how much of an impact that's going to have, we're just going to have to wait and see. All right. And I'll see you in Chicago then next week, okay? Sounds good. I'll see you then on Monday and Tuesday next week. Thanks a lot. DTN meteorologist John Brannick. Again, the DTN Ag Summit. Next, uh, this coming Sunday, Monday, Tuesday at the Fairmont Hotel in Chicago and a chance for you to win free registration to that event. Just go to our website, American Ag Network, click on Adams on Agriculture. You'll see the banner there where you can click on and give us your information and we'll have a drawing this week for two free registrations for the DTN Ag Summit. Lots to talk about in our next segment with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. He joins us next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at dtn.com backslash ag summit. 
You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. U.S. weekly export sales of corn, soybeans, and wheat increased sharply during the week ending November 18th. Export sales volume for all three crop markets exceeded their respective five-year averages. Corn export sales hit a new marketing year high, but still trailed last year's weekly volume. On the Board of Trade, December corn trading eight and a half cent lower at 5.78. The March contract down eight and three quarters at 5.83. For soybeans, the January contract down a fraction at 12.52. And a half cent. The March contract down a fraction at 12.62 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down 10 and a fraction at 8.15 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat December down seven at 8.58. Minneapolis spring wheat December down five and a half cent at 10.34. The March contract down four and a half cent at 10.44. In cash cattle country, the majority of last week's trade took place on Tuesday and Wednesday, with just a little cleanup on Friday. Southern live trade had a full range of 135 dollars to 100. $40, mostly at 138 to 140 roughly $6 higher than the previous week's weighted averages. Northern Dress Business had a full range of 210 to $220, mostly at 218 to $220, generally $7.50 higher than the previous week's weighted average basis in Nebraska. Looking at live cattle futures, the December contract trading 67 cents higher at 138.77. The February contract up 35 at 141.57. For feeder cattle, the January contract trading 72 cents higher at 167.87. The March contract up 60 at 168.57. For lean hogs, the December contract trading 7 cents lower at 73.12. The February contract up 35 at 81.37. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 121 points. The NASDAQ composite up 198, the S&P 500 up 42, the U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rawl. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. <laughs> Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, who joins us now. Senator, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, we had 23 people, which is about seven short of where we were last year. Part of it is people still concerned about the virus and uh, maybe... uh, People going someplace else, not coming to our house every year. Well, you've got a busy time now as we head into December. A lot on the the plate for Congress to deal with. You've got uh, spending. You've got uh, debt limit. You've got to keep the government open. You've got this Build Back Better plan that's uh, passed the House. Uh, Kind of take us through these next few weeks, what look to be very busy days for you. Yeah, and it's kind of traditional of things at the end of the year kind of uh, do become very busy, and particularly with the upcoming Christmas season, uh, you kind of dislike the uncertainty of when you're going to be able to be back in Iowa to celebrate Christmas with family and with other Iowans. So how do you see it playing out? What's up first? Uh, I think this week it's going to be the defense uh, authorization bill, uh, which is an annual bill that Congress works on. And then I think uh, yet this week there has to be uh, an either-or determination. Uh, Either we pass an omnibus appropriation bill that gets us through till September 30th, 2022, 
or else we extend what we call the continuing resolution into sometime next year, either January. Some people are saying it needs to be extended into March. Uh, I'm not on the Appropriations Committee, so I'm not familiar with exactly uh, what might end there, but before the end of the week, which is December 3rd, uh, the financing of government runs down, and either you shut down government or you keep government operating. And it's kind of stupid to shut down government because government's a service, and it ought to be functioning on a regular basis for the uh, 330 million people that live here. And, uh, and it costs money to shut down the government. It costs money to open up the government. So it's kind of a stupid thing to do. So I'm predicting one of two things. We either pass an omnibus appropriation bill, gets us through to September 30th next year, or we have a continuing resolution that carries everything over into 2022 sometime early to make a final decision for the rest of that fiscal year. So we'll see what happens there this week. Then you also have the the debt limit, the debt ceiling issue to deal with still. It's a little nebulous whether or not the December 15th deadline set by Secretary Yellen, she sets that deadline, but she always says, well, there are some things we can do if government doesn't extend the borrowing authority to the federal government. There's certain other funds that we can use to get us through to a, some date down the road. And I've even heard some economists speculating that it wouldn't be until you get into February that we really have to make that decision. And you, it's a sad commentary for me to make to your listeners, and it's usually some sort of deadline before Congress finally acts. I don't know why it has to be that way, but that seems to be the way it is. Yeah, it seems like that's become the, the, the norm anymore. So the House passes this Build Back Better plan and sends it to you in the Senate. Uh, what's going to happen in the Senate? Well, Schumer says that we're going to get it done before we go home for Christmas. But I think the way I'm hearing Senator Manchin of West Virginia, one of the two Democrat holdouts, uh, rewriting it, uh, I think it's going to be difficult to get it done before Christmas. Uh, but uh, it's possible it could be. But uh, I think you need to look at it from the standpoint of the way we Republicans are looking at it, because one of the few things that can be done on a partisan basis is what we call reconciliation. It's only been used twice in the last five years. This would be the third time in six years if they use it. But what they're what they want to do is they want to, spend another four and two-tenths trillion dollars, and we Republicans have taken the position that is exactly the same as former Democratic Secretary of Treasury uh, Larry Summers, uh, and also a professor of economics at Harvard. He has stated in January, again in April, again in August, and again in October that uh, uh, with this six and two-tenths percent inflation, you're just throwing uh, gasoline on the fires of inflation, and uh, and you shouldn't be spending this money. And we're listening to him. So what do you think is your best bet here? Do you think you can stop it altogether or just get it reduced? The most realistic thing is that get it reduced. But uh, again, there isn't any Republican in the room dealing with this legislation. It's only Democrats. And we think it's very irresponsible. And so uh, it de kind of depends on what Cinema uh, and Manchin, two Democratic senators that are holding out, and they may be fronts for another five or six Democrats that think nothing should be done, but the other five or six Democrats don't have guts enough to speak up like Cinema and Manchin. And so who knows what's going to happen when uh, the fiscal sanity of this uh, country depends upon what two Democratic senators hold out for. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. All right biofuels industry and i know you are as well very frustrated with how this administration is dealing with biofuels uh, they delay again releasing the rvo uh, levels and uh, it's just like a lot of promises that have been made aren't being kept once again yeah frustrated with how the democrat president 
is dealing with it. The frustration comes from the fact that they aren't dealing with it. There's been certain deadlines that they were supposed to meet under law. They have not met them. And the frustration comes from the fact that Biden campaigning in Iowa for the Democratic nomination spoke very highly of uh, the uh, uh, biofuels industry, knowing how important it was for 43,000 jobs in Iowa, 7,000 jobs for the uh, uh, biodiesel part of it, uh, and uh, and the fact that it all uh, this uh, sort of uh, biofuels contributes to cleaning up the environment, and they're very much uh, green energy directed, and they aren't using the product that is going to help not only the farm economy, our national security, and the environment, and good-paying jobs in rural America, they aren't keeping their promise. And that's what's so frustrating. And after years of working to get energy independence, now we're asking other countries to provide more oil for us. Yeah. Uh, shut down the XL pipeline. Maybe shut down a pipeline going through Michigan. Uh, and uh, and not having drilling on public lands. Or more drilling in Alaska. or uh, uh, and And not allowing fracking. And then complaining because the price of gasoline's high. It's their, own, it's their own policies that have brought this about. And then the inconsistency of shutting down the XL pipeline, but uh, going ahead with the pipeline between Germany and uh, Russia for natural gas for Europe, when we could be selling our natural gas uh, to Europe. And we could be energy independent. We can produce more natural gas and... Uh, and uh, uh, petroleum than even Saudi Arabia, if they had allowed it to be done. And to tap into the strategic uh, petroleum reserve, isn't that there in case we actually do have a shortage? Not when we have plenty, but we just choose not to use it. For shortage and for national emergencies, which mostly is connected with national defense purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other topic, uh, you've been very involved in this uh, issue over cattle markets and uh, the back and forth that's gone on there. What's the latest? Where are we with this? Okay. First of all, Fisher of Nebraska and I had two separate bills in. There was some likeness of these bills. We reached a compromise, so we have one approach. We'll call it the Fisher-Grassley bill. It's also a bipartisan bill. We have about uh, almost a majority of the Agriculture Committee uh, behind it at this point. Uh, we want to uh, move it along with the livestock mandatory uh, marketing legislation that has to be reauthorized uh, this year and move it because it fits in very well with that reauthorization. And we want a fair market for uh, our cattle because they aren't making any money now and stakes are as high as they have ever been in the history of our country, and profits of our meat packers are as high as they've ever been, and the farmers not getting much out of it, and it's just unfair. And then uh, it would require these uh, companies to stay ahead for 14 uh, days, how much they're going to slaughter each day, so a farmer doesn't have to wait for a mark, uh, 30 days to get his cattle to market. So we'll see how that, uh, where that goes, because a lot of strong feelings on both sides of that. Senator, we're out of time. Thank you, as always. Look forward to talking with you again next month, okay, before I wrap things up uh, for my career. I I've always enjoy talking with you and hope we can do it one more time next month, okay? I just heard about your potential retirement, and uh, you'll get a note from me on that point. Looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. I was Senator Charles Grassley. All right, up next, we'll talk biofuels issues with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. That's next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com backslash Ag Summit. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. That's our goal at AOA. Each weekday, you get an hour of the latest takes from people who know agriculture, the policymakers, and the people who have the inside scoop on what's happening behind closed doors. People who have their finger on the pulse of Washington and agriculture around the world. AOA is your daily source for all the information you need to stay in the know. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. AOA.
AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. I want to again thank Iowa Senator Charles Grassley for being on with us as he is uh, pretty much each month. And as he mentioned, he's going to be sending me a, a note. In my last career change, uh, I got this wonderful handwritten note from the senator, which I, I value and I keep and, and look forward to getting another note from him. I mean, in this day and age, how many people send handwritten notes very much anyway? And, you know, I don't live in Iowa, so I, I, I'm, I'm not a, a, a voter so I, in Iowa, so I can't vote for him. But yet that shows to me what kind of person he is. And uh, uh, I value that relationship he and I have developed over the years uh, on the air. And, um, and him taking the time to do that uh, certainly means a lot to me. And uh, I'll miss those conversations, as I will with our next guest, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thank you for joining us. I know Senator Grassley, one of your strong supporters, uh, one of your real champions for the biofuels industry. No doubt about it. Through thick and thin, Senator Grassley is always there for us, always leading uh, the, the fight for us, trying to make sure that the RFS is followed through. And may I just say, Mike, because I don't know if I'll get on before you retire at the end of the year, I want to join Senator Grassley in simply telling you what a tremendous career you've had. I've, I've really enjoyed Getting to know you from goodness back in your time on AgriTalk and mm-hmm. now on Adams on Ag, what a what a professional and what an incredible service you provide to American agriculture. Thank you for everything you've done. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, yeah, we go back a long ways, and you have been one of those that uh, have really helped me uh, understand the biofuels industry and the issues. I've always been a big supporter and a big believer, but you know, when I have questions and their issues come up, uh, you're one of the people I always go to, to, to get those answers. And I appreciate uh, the, the professional uh, relationship and the personal friendship. It's, uh, it's very important. means a lot to me. So here you are dealing with yet more frustrations with another administration. We've talked about this before. The, these frustrations cross <laughs> political aisles, uh, but here again, you've got an, another president, who said one thing on the campaign trail and now in office doing something different when it comes to biofuels. Well, that's exactly right. And it just seems like it is a broken record, right? Here we go with a a Democrat this time who made promises on the campaign trail that the RFS was critical to rural America, that he was going to follow the law. And that's not happening. Um, We have no renewable volume obligations for 2021 and that year's this year's about over we don't have a proposal for 2022 um there doesn't seem to be any indication that that will be coming soon there have been rumors mike you and i both know we've talked about this that the biden epa might even retroactively go back to 2020 which is over and done with and reduce the RFS beyond what COVID already did. And remember, we had unprecedented uh, collapse really in demand due to COVID in 2020. So there's no reason for that. So yeah, we're, uh, we're once again scratching our heads wondering why the administration won't simply follow the law with the RFS. Right. There's some legislation being introduced called Defend the Blend. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is bipartisan legislation introduced last week that would essentially prohibit EPA from doing what I just mentioned moments ago, which is retroactively going back in time after the RFS year is over and reducing volumes, which is what they're rumored to be thinking about doing for 2020. So this legislation would make it clear that the law doesn't allow that. The truth is, I don't think this legislation is necessarily needed, nor do I expect it, frankly, to move through Congress. But what it does do, Mike, is it sends, I think, a very strong bipartisan message to the White House and EPA that they shouldn't entertain this very risky idea of of going back in time and adjusting the RFS downward. 
What do you say to those in the oil industry and others, other critics saying that ethanol is one of the contributors to higher gas prices and trying to blame ethanol and ethanol blending requirements for higher gas prices at the pump? Well, over the course of time since the RFS has been part of law, which that began in 2005, followed in 2007 with the uh, increase in the RFS volumes, historically speaking, ethanol is always, almost always traded at a discount to gasoline. So it's not caused higher fuel prices over the long run. Today, ethanol prices are sort of a temporary aberration higher than gasoline but remember ethanol is blended at right now mostly a 10 percent rate around the country sure there's some e15 and e85 but when you factor in that there's still rin value which is sort of the currency of the rfs it's the incentive for blending renewable fuel that helps bring down the price of ethanol blended fuel even more and so yes there is this sort of temporary situation today where ethanol prices are higher than than gasoline prices, but that has not been the case over the long course of history. And as we've talked about before, ethanol helped us break our dependence on other countries for energy, helped us to achieve energy independence, and now it's like it's being cast aside and our own government's calling on other countries to give us more oil. Isn't it crazy that we have the president calling on OPEC to uh, turn on the, the spigot when we have the ability to produce and use a lot more here, right here at home? Um, it, it's another head-scratching moment. It, it helped us reduce our dependence on oil, and that was a priority back in 05 and 07 when this legislation was enacted, as you well know, because you were there for those moments. And today, it's important in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. That's right. It helps us achieve both goals, the energy independence and the climate issues as well. Brian, always good to talk with you, my friend, and I'll definitely have you on again before I wrap up uh, here next month. Okay, so good to talk with you. Talk to you soon. Wonderful. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. That does it for today. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best farmers. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. You only get one chance to leave your mark on the land you love. So choose the soybeans with a legacy all their own. FS High Soy, the first proprietary soybean brand. High Soy has been a part of the land for 50 years, offering the latest in trade technologies and elite genetics. High Soy varieties continue to provide industry-charting yields. FS High Soy. See your local FS member company or visit fshighsoy.com.